0: This episode of ArcaSpeak is supported by NCARB. You have the power to influence the future of how architects are educated, trained, and licensed. Take the analysis of practice survey today. So, good trip? (laughs) Good time off?
1: (laughs) Did you get away? Did you? Uh, I had a... I had... So there's this thing that I keep hearing people talk about. It's weird because oh. I've just been. Foreign? Un- is it a foreign concept? It, I think it's even a foreign word. Have you ever heard of okay. this before? Oh, I don't even know if I know how to pronounce it right. We,
0: we, uh, weekend is, is, am I pronouncing it <laughs> is right? That right. Yeah. yeah. Like, Meanwhile, yeah. a supervisor is somewhere saying you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But. <laughs> oh my God. You know, with it,
1: just with this project and the demands and everything else that, you know, I don't need to necessarily believe the whole conversation with. It's just, it's just been really kind of like, if I have, i mean, to use the, the big massive air quotes here, time off. Most of the mm. time it's been just like, okay, I'm exhausted. I'm going to go crash and lay in bed and barely move.
0: Um, <laughs> And but yeah, as long as you don't leave the premises, you keep that GPS tracker turned on. Exactly. I'm fine. <laughs> My computer is low jacked.
1: Right. I, I, I walk, you know, a few, few feet away from the computer. It's like, <laughs> exactly. all right, fine. I'll come
0: back. You need one of those portable green screen setups, like that that guy who goes to the football games and stuff. With uh, his, that's awesome. His Zoom. They go yeah.
1: I loved that. That was that, that's just tremendous. Come on now, it's a good meme.
0: Meme, yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on there to make that happen, but pretty successful.
1: So I knew that you were going out and getting away, and uh, it's a tad bit of jealousy. So absolutely, like, I'm not not on my watch. He's not going to go out <laughs> on his own. Not on. He doesn't get to do this by himself. I'm going to take some time off too, and and no, and yeah, and so. <laughs> It sounds so weird to say it out loud that it's just
0: like you um, feel a little bit of uh, shame and embarrassment for actually taking time off.
1: No, I feel shame and embarrassment for not taking time off. So anyway, so um, yeah, so with the the bit of jealousy of like Evans getting outside and enjoying sunlight and all of that other stuff that I I should do the same. I should. (laughs) um, Hey,
0: wait, I should do that.
1: Yeah, no, and I I decided that I was going to surprise my wife and daughter with a um, Valentine's Day gift.
0: Oh, how cute.
1: I am still one of those people who do that. Wow. You know, surprise my wife with a Valentine's Day gift. And it was more actually a surprise to my daughter. We decided to just um, get away. It was only a day trip. Um, but it was a day trip, which, you know, I'm always, I will say one thing about living on the East coast and we've talked about this before, but I'm always like so surprised at like how close things really are,
0: you Mm -hmm. know?
1: I mean, in Florida, you
0: drive three hours. I don't think you are allowed to be surprised at that. I, I would be surprised at that Well, everything is very far from me.
1: (laughs) Well, okay. Very
0: far, but. Well, so
1: growing up in Florida, you drive three miles or three, three hours. Guess what? You're still in Florida, in central Florida, where I was at you know, you're driving, you're, you're still in, you're, you're, you are like, you're so you're landlocked for one thing. And if you're driving and if you're in like Southern Florida or Central Florida, you know, three hours does not get you out of the state. And, and so that's, that's sort of what I kind of, you know, always just felt is just like, wow, everything's so far away. Oh, I need to go to, like, I remember when we used to, when we were, had moved to Florida and we'd travel back to michigan to visit family and it was just it felt like it was just like you know years away and 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 so three hours away gets us all sorts of different places virginia pennsylvania west virginia you name it but the place that we decided to go was new york new york city what was even great about it was that we went to a broadway play
0: nice a broadway never done that that's no,
1: cool. No. So, I mean, we've seen plays before, but we've never actually seen Broadway plays.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, so, what'd you see? So, we saw what my uh, daughter has been wanting to see for quite some time. Has seen it on Disney Plus. I feel hundreds of times. Listen to the soundtrack. I feel hundreds of hundreds of times. Okay. Okay. Can you figure out where I'm going with that?
0: I can. I think I can.
1: A little bit of history trip. Uh, yeah. Okay saw Hamilton and it was history in a big city. <laughs> <laughs> oh That's my cool. Lord. It was amazing. I mean, it wasn't the original cast. It's the new cast and it's still, it's amazing to, you know, one, it was, um, in this beautiful theater, the Richard Rod, it's renamed the Richard Rogers theater on Broadway, historic, beautiful, historic, uh, building. I'll get into the architecture part of it in a second. But when you're actually in the theater, It's, you know, a, a triple tiered theater and, but it, but it feels you're like so close to the stage. And of course we bought our tickets like at the last minute. So, you you know, we, we were one row from the back wall, but being one row from the back wall, funny enough, was just as good. Okay. It's a little hyperbole. It wasn't as good as being in the front row. But it was pretty, it was still pretty good because like There's there was, no bad seats. Well, there, there was no bad seats and there were no heads in our way. And so yeah, we were, you're up, you're, you know, know, the rake is so high. Yeah. The yeah. rake is high and, and we're, we're up there high and, the, and you could feel the reverberation, you know, in the sound system and, That's cool. you know, these, these just amazing voices and these amazing talents of these actors on stage. I mean, it would have been great to like, you know, actually be able to look, like, see what their faces looked like, but.
0: <laughs> you, it's you a turn music. on the zoom on the camera
1: it, yeah. oh no you're not allowed to do
0: no no photography
1: yeah. no photography no digital recording no nothing and right, right. if you even are remotely seen in fact actually not only did well they there was there's a guy walking around one making sure that you were always wearing your mask and two making sure that you didn't have do, weren't doing any digital photography or any kind of you know recording or anything And, and I actually had witnessed a, a group of people in the audience actually like bust another person in the audience and it was so like, hush, hush. It was like public shaming, public shaming, but they got publicly tossed out. Oh, wow.
0: (laughs) Boom. Done.
1: Uh, Bouncers.
0: Everyone's a bouncer now. Yeah.
1: Jeez. Yeah. I think that's, you know, it's, it's, I had this feeling that it was just like, you know, this is what like. Kind of like culture of online shaming that we do,
0: cancel culture.
1: Ha, yeah. yeah, has has like <clears throat> you know, it's like jumped out and taken to the streets where it's just like they said that you weren't <laughs> supposed to have do any digital photography, and you're out there doing digital photography. You're you have been served, <laughs> and it gets tossed out. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, you're like, come on now. I mean, they they just wanted to take it. In in fact, it was just they were they literally just took a picture. But, you know, yeah, and and so it was um, but anyway, but it, that didn't diminish from the fact that it was a, an absolutely amazing performance. And as many times as I've seen it on Disney Plus, because uh, especially during the summer time when my daughter was not at school and just decided to, like, watch TV all the time because you really couldn't go very many places. It was uh, I, I, I have pretty much the entire soundtrack stuck in my head. Um, oh, I bet. And and even though there was like the slight variations, it was just so just like where do they find these people? Their their voices are so powerful. They're like the guy who played uh, George Washington. I mean, if you didn't get chills, if you weren't moved by the power of this man's voice, you're either asleep or dead inside, or dead inside
0: while you're sleeping it's good to hear though that you're not either one of those no know, my gosh i'm at like, the desk as much as you do
1: <laughs> i sw- you know I, i'll tell you what i mean you know some of some of their performance were like help me out here i might i, I might might tear up a little yeah yeah i'm not crying cool, you're crying I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> and so i was just like okay this is to you know I'll, I'll be absolutely honest you know i've never really been to you know i've never really been into musicals and i've never really been to a musical but this one if this is like what musicals are on broadway won't be my last
0: you could do some more yeah that's cool man i'm excited sure, that you got i'm to not do sure that.
1: i'm built for jersey boys but i'm sure i could find another one
0: <laughs> there's there's so many
1: no offense jersey boy fans
0: Sure, it's fine. So the clo- we we do have some of that here. I think I saw Les Miserables Robin in L.A. Vegas has some amazing Cirque du Soleil shows, and that the theatrical the theatricality of it, and the performance, and the timing, and there's so much that goes into that. That is just as an architect, it's very interesting to watch how all of the mechanics work. In addition to the performances, obviously it's all about the performances, but there's kind of this other layer of stuff that's going on. And I, you people who have been into theater for their, their whole lives know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, there's this front of house, back of house kind of concert going on all the time. And I think that's what was so fun about working on a performing arts building that I that I did for one of the high schools down here. And it was not a high school level theater. I mean, it was, they spent a lot of money on this theater and, and it was incredible to be involved in, you know, designing the rigging and the lighting and the catwalks and all for, to support all of that stuff that happens back of house and, and the scene shop and the way that they can move stuff on and off the stage. And they've, you know, they've got the surround and there's just so many neat things about theater to make it about the performance that has to happen functionally for the architecture to, to make that happen. It's really cool. So the amazing thing about this.
1: So again, this is, this was a just shy of a hundred year old theater and to, to talk about like the front of house spaces, like the you know lobby and, and, you know, kind of like the flow in and out of the building and stuff. Definitely is something that you're like, yes, this is a hundred year old building because they did not take into account like the, just this, this massive kind of like crowds moving in and out. And during like intermission, you know, everybody wants to like get up because these seats are so small and like, you know, here I am just shy of six, two, and I'm sitting in these seats and my knees are kind of like hanging over the seat in front of me. And I'm like, I, I really hope a tall person doesn't come and sit in front of me, not because they'd be blocking my view, but they'd have my knees in the back of their head because they, they have nowhere to go because yeah. they, have, <laughs> they have absolutely nowhere to go. And so like, obviously that part of it is just, just showing its age. Okay, fine. But what was interesting about it, though, is I'm sitting there and I'm watching the choreography, not just the choreography of the actual performance the choreography of them moving the set around, because it's, it's a very, it's a fixed set. So there's like a, there's, there's three, it's basically like the, the three walls that kind of like take place throughout the history of like Hamilton coming to spoiler alert, Hamilton coming to the U S and then his rise to uh, fame in the political system and the fight for independence and all of these other things. And then ultimately big spoiler alert, him getting shot
0: and dying and so um, i don't know if that's a spoiler anymore it might be some people may not know um but (laughs) but what was amazing play
1: and the history they're kind of tied together yeah yeah but what was amazing about it is sitting there watching the choreography of them moving around certain pieces of the set that just flow with not only the choreography of the actual performance when the lights go down and they like are showing just like, you know, spotlighting one particular person and you can, and, and I can see. You see a little movement going on everywhere but around it's just, them. Yeah. But it's just like, so like, you know, like beautifully done that maybe not an architect, but somebody who's architecturally minded worked on that set. And I, and I know a lot of set designers who used to actually be, or had gone to architecture school and then later pursued a career in, in set design. And so I know that they're architecturally minded, and just to see how things are like beautifully, just like things interlock and all this other stuff. I mean, it was just a, but to look at the, the way that the the design of the theater, and obviously it's been updated uh, because now they have like you know catwalk systems and stuff that are kind of like hanging down below this beautifully plastered ornate you know ceilings. You know, so it's been modernized, but, you know, to just kind of like really see the way that like the acoustics play out. I mean, we're designing a um, it it started off as a, a true theater and then the, the program kind of like tapered down and then they thought it was just going to be like an amphitheater. And then they started talking about the things that, you know, were, would they envision happening in this auditorium? And now the auditorium has become a theater light. So I would say it's probably on par with maybe, you know, like around what you did for that high school, because it was a performing arts high school, right? Or a performance art, performing arts level auditorium or theater, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I remember you sending me pictures of it and it was just like, you you know, you just like, and this is a high school. I'm like, what, wait, what? I've designed yeah, some high schools right. with some, you know, auditoriums and we didn't do
0: that. <laughs> Yeah, it had a balcony, it had, it had
1: everything. Oh, it was, it was yeah, it was just amazing. And so this is going to be, you know, something very similar to that, you know, where dignitaries and things like that will be. And so, but, you know, it's just like see all of the different intricacies that go into it. I think you and I were talking a little bit earlier before we really started rolling about how so many different trades go into the design of certain rooms. And in the case of like this one, you know, we've we've got a you know acoustician, we've got our mechanical, we've got mm-hmm. our structural engineers, we've got our auto, you know our our theater designers, we have the architects, you know, and, and we have the interior designers and all of these other people. So now I've like, what did I list out seven? Yeah, at least at seven. Least. At least seven. But that's not structural. Like, you know, is huge. Yeah. Yeah, but but that's not even like. All of them, I mean, you know, like I've lumped MEP together, but, you know, there's like you, you can expand that out to even further ones. And then just like thinking about the systems that go that pass through here and how you have to control sound and noise and everything else through like, you, you know, your simple systems and things like that, that are way above and beyond the thoughts
0: that you would normally do. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. NCARB's analysis of practice study is your opportunity to shape the future of architecture. Participate in this industry-wide survey to share your experiences and insights from working in architecture, engineering, or construction. Your feedback will help guide changes to what being a licensed architect looks like and impact how architects collaborate with other professionals in the future. Whether you're an architect or you work with architects, NCARB wants to hear from you. Make sure your voice is heard. Contribute to the analysis or practice study today. Sign up at ncarb.org slash AOP. And now let's get back to our conversation. We when just thinking about the HVAC and the the, the level of that it can kind of the, the problems that it can introduce in the acoustics in the room. Yeah. And having to extend duct runs to lower the velocity mm-hmm. of the air moving through there so that it wouldn't cause any problems like things like that that invisible to the to the people who are there for the performance but are all contributing to that theatrical experience because i noticed i i looked up and i could you know you clearly this
1: theater was designed way before modern hvac but i look up and i could see that registers were cut into the ceiling and, you know, cut into this, you know, beautifully ornate plaster and stuff. But then interestingly, like decorated so that, you know, they kind of blended in kind of blend. Yeah. But you look at them and it wasn't like the, the most professional of jobs of, of cutting it all in, but. they are running on a shoestring budget. Oh, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. But, but I mean, it was just amazing to think about that, but then think about like, okay, so here they are retrofitting a, this old hundred year old theater and this old hundred year old theater is performing like a modern theater.
0: Yeah. And yeah. to think about a show that moves around, I don't, doesn't sound yeah. like this one does, but, but the ones that do, it's pretty incredible to have to adapt.
1: They're not changing sets out. So there's one fixed set that they like really use. I mean, the show itself. So there is a turntable. Actually, there's two turntables in the middle. Yes. And a microphone. Oh, <laughs> all right that's a reference folks exactly but there's so there's two turntables in the middle so there's like you know one inner circle and then an outer circle that like can either go the same direction or go in opposite directions and all this other stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so like the choreography of like, you know, and I'm like looking at like all of the marks that they like tape on the floor and everything else. And, yeah. yeah, You know, and, and it's just like you can
0: only see those from the crappy seats. <laughs> you can only see you literally can only see them from, you know, one row from the wall, from the back wall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that brings up another thing but, when you're designing in like these spaces in section and you look at the line of sight for people and the row spaces. And the number of seats from the aisle that you can do for code, like there's just so much that goes into an assembly space, like a theater, that you're just bringing back all these memories. I mean, you know, when we really, you know, fully got
1: because we had originally had just started to design an auditorium, and then as the the program started to change again, we're like, oh, you know, we really need to have a um, theater consultant come in. And so we had the theater consultant come in and they started to overlay all of the rules and regulations and just what makes a real performance arts center, you know, work properly. And so, you know, they had started to come in and say, well, you need to lower your, your balcony um, half a meter because it, you know, because the view angles that you need for this. Mm -hmm. And, And right now you're up a full meter higher than you need to be. You can bring, we really want you to bring it down the full meter, but we understand that lower ceilings and everything else on the spaces below and plus running any kind of HVAC within those plenums would be completely eradicated. And so we kind of like (laughs) found that, that sweet spot of the middle, but then it also said, okay, then what we need to do is we need to reconfigure the stage like this and we need to do this. And these are things that I I guess just, I I don't want to be offensive, but out of the box architects don't really know you know yeah
0: Yeah. and and you need those those uh, subject matter experts you can't know everything about everything right exactly there are specialty spaces that need specialty people that's all they think about
1: yep yep absolutely
0: yeah yeah that when it comes to like how much space do you need for rigging how like who draws all that like it has to all be drawn it's it's the the grid above the fly loft and how it's attached to the loft and How the rigging goes, runs past that. And how does that interface with the curtain? And oh my gosh, there's so many things that that go into that.
1: Yeah. I mean, right now we've been going through uh, kind of a redesign of the green room because we had like
0: a green closet,
1: (laughs) not really a green room. And uh, so we've been trying to carve out some more space because, you know, I mean, once you have a fixed borders, uh, you know, like if you're built up to the property line, which we are you don't have you've just got to get very creative
0: yeah you start fighting for inches for everything and we had we had an orchestra pit in ours uh and you know there was a temporary framework that would go in there to hold up the stage when they didn't want the orchestra pit and you start to you you want to get hvac down in there because the orchestra can't cook while they're performing (laughs) and all of these things and then and and access I think circulation is such an interesting part of the the theater design process because you need you need the stage to be accessible you need the mezzanine balcony area to be accessible you need everything to be accessible you, your even your uh, control booth in the back of the theater is elevated so that you're above all the people in the room and that that's another type of accessibility and having all the clearances for all of these different things and how many steps people can go up and down. And is there going to be a guardrail on the front of the balcony? What's the guardrail made out of so that people can see through it? And like, I'm sure it's different in a high school environment than a professional environment. Like there's all of these things that it it is layers upon layers of complexity. It's a, it's a really fun design challenge. That's the kind of thing where it's like, what are we going to do today? And it's like to, for the next two weeks, we're going to, you're going to learn all about the proscenium, and it's like what's <laughs> <Exactly>. a proscenium? <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I, I was going to say you you know I, I don't remember learning the the word proscenium in uh, school, but sure do know about it now. Well, yeah, I mean right. I've known about it for a while, but I and mean, what's
0: so interesting is even the acoustics. I can't the, you know the, the these clouds they call them in the ceiling, you know that, that and they're arched or angled in different ways. And what's so interesting to me is I always thought that they kind of aimed toward what's happening on the stage or away from it like i wasn't really sure which direction because it's it's like you know they're there you go into theaters and you see them but you don't really think about invisible sound waves and what they're doing when they hit those and how they're designed especially up at the proscenium to project audio out of this of the stage environment into the audience and then you get to the back of the room and you're thinking about, okay, now how do we trap it there? Like we don't want it bouncing back toward the stage anymore. So there's all of these acoustic baffles that are up on the ceiling and on the back wall so that they absorb the sound once it gets there. Because if, especially if you are towards those back rows, you don't want to hear the performance twice with a slight delay. All of those things come in and like acoustic modeling has to happen and. It's it's insane the amount of coordination that has to happen in a theater. It's so. I don't cool. know though. I mean, Hamilton was pretty good, so I wouldn't
1: have mind hearing it twice
0: <laughs> <laughs> in short succession. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what what? <laughs> well, they spoke yeah. like that, didn't they? Yeah. I'll give you what what? Do, do I repeat myself? <laughs> well, I I had the exact opposite I, uh, environment. I think on my my getaway i was at I was out in the middle of Death Valley, and there was nothing like what you're talking about there
1: no, I remember i I sent you a photograph of Times Square, all lit up, you know wide angle and and everything else, and it was just like everything was kind of like coming in on you, and you literally are just the opposite,
0: yeah, yeah, it's like here's a picture of a of a ghost town it's It's interesting to think about how different how different of a place we were in at the same time. And i I was even just lucky to have cell service at that point right? so <laughs> it, does, it doesn't exist out there in a lot of places, so uh kind of interesting to think about but yeah what a what a fantastic getaway like just I, I for both of us it it was really good to just get away from the chair and the desk and the computer and and do something
1: well what was interesting is that the the image that you sent of and and I really want to learn more about that you know because you know i dig the ruins of the uh the ghost town that you were at and like mm-hmm. the uh masonry building that you taken some pictures of that w- literally was like the opposite. Like here is like the urban environment at its like most dense and then here you are with just like these remnants of a forgotten land that is no more.
0: And yeah, so we were in Beatty, which is in Nevada, and it's it's a ghost town, and it's it's managed by the Bureau, the BLM. What is that Bureau of Land Management? And um, it was it was just this once thriving town because when you're there, you they do have some signs up, and there's only a handful of buildings, but and its heyday, there was more than ten thousand people there, and it was thriving. I mean, it was. All about the the mining community and you know the promise of whatever they were mining out there and and people coming out there just in droves, laying a, first they started off laying a, a mile of railroad track per day to get there, and they finished off, but they were laying two miles of track per day to get there and to bring the train in, which was after the, the town had already been pretty much thriving to have the train come in and this was like 1906 and by 1910 the town was dead which is incredible to think about especially a town that big and with so many buildings there were there actually were was photographs it, was it built
1: specifically for you know as like a railroad town as like a place for people to stay
0: while the railroad was being built or was... it was a destination it was like the end of the oh. line And it was because everybody thought that this town was just going to be the boom town. It was going to be the next big thing. And it just turned out not to be. And more people were leaving than were showing up at some point. And then pretty soon, like it got down to like 12 people in the very last days of of this town, which is just incredible to think about. And so, yeah, there are some unreinforced masonry buildings that are mostly toppled over now uh, that you can get close to some of them. Some of them you can, you can walk into, but, but most of them, they keep you out with fencing and stuff. There's this incredible bottle house there that's made out of like 50,000 glass bottles. And I guess it's been pretty popular in different movies and things like that. A lot of movie stuff has been filmed out there. Um, I, I think my wife's mentioned something about it being in the island with, uh, I think that was Ewan oh. McGregor, one of those places that just disappeared off the map. And now it's, you know, it's a barely a thing at all, and it's out in the middle of nowhere, literally, right? Like, this is the kind of thing you think of when you're out in the middle of nowhere, that what the middle of nowhere looks like. It's it's that kind of place. Yeah, like I said, couldn't be any different than New York City. But But also just to kind of read about the transformation that it went through and how fast it went up and down is pretty incredible to think about. Not just architecturally, but just as a culture and a community and things like that. So really cool, and that that was just one of the stops we did. We we were in the the park, and we we drove a lot. We we actually drove to the racetrack, which is a pretty famous destination in the kind of northern part of the park, which we had not been to before. Which the racetrack refers to, I I and I wasn't aware of this, but the shape of the dry lake bed, not the actual phenomena, which people go there to see, which is these rocks that are maybe the size of two or three shoeboxes that appear to have the, well, they do, they have these paths behind them. And so it looks like these rocks are kind of like peeling out or something on the dry lake bed. But the phenomena is so that nobody can really understand how this happens or they couldn't until they solved it. I think if they said that they solved it in 2014. So They've known about this place for a long, 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 long time. And and scientists would go out and study it and try to figure out how in the heck are these rocks moving? Is it just the wind? Like what's going on? And it turns out that I guess this dry lake bed, it takes perfect conditions for this to happen, but it has to rain, which it rarely does out there. It has to fill the dry lake bed by with a few inches of rain, which then has to freeze. The rocks get captured in the ice. And then the wind has to blow. So another you know thing has to happen so hard that it's busting up the ice and it's sliding on layers of ice below it or I don't know what, but it's kind of basically lifting these rocks and then pushing them along with 70 or 80 mile an hour winds very slowly and leaving these paths behind these rocks. And then it all evaporates and dries up and goes away and then people show up. And you see these rocks with tracks behind them like they've been slowly pushed across hmm. the the dry lake bed so it's pretty pretty cool I'll, I'll try to remember to put some pictures of this in the show notes but if you just look it up on Google just Google Death Valley Racetrack and you'll see what, what I'm talking about very interesting place to and, and it takes so long to get out there because it's like 30 miles of washboard dirt roads which you can't go very fast on and so it's just way the heck out there, and there's no no services, no facilities, nothing. You're just on your own, way the heck out in the middle of nowhere again. That was that was probably the highlight though for me because it was like I said in the last episode, been going out to Death Valley my whole life and never had made it to the racetrack or to Beatty. So it was kind of fun to see some new things that never experienced before. I can't cool.
1: I can't confirm that your wife is correct that 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 area that ghost town is featured in the movie the island with you and yeah. McGregor. And I guess they were looking for a slightly more contemporary place of ruins and also in Detroit.
0: Oh. <laughs> Speaking of ruins. <laughs> hey, hey now. Jeez.
1: <laughs> Maybe at, at the time, but you know, it is uh it is definitely becoming a different place, Detroit, as well as the
0: constant decay of death valley so anyway that was my trip for the most part it was it was fantastic to get away i might i spent a lot of time driving a lot of time in the car i put a thousand miles on my trip so it was it was just wow and that was just what three days four days yeah yeah three days so
1: yeah sounds very familiar (laughs) yeah it's it's like great short short burn a lot of mileage type you know trips yeah
0: yeah i think that the the worst part about that is just the the seat time in the car uh but the best thing about it is getting getting out and seeing something new and i think uh, you know we've talked about that on this show a lot before and i think it applies to both of the things that we experienced over the weekend in very different ways but the the type of perspective it gives you as an architect to think about these things and these all these different layers and levels and Mm -hmm interconnectedness and all and even the contrast between these two things and having a conversation about it to me makes for a richer design possibilities that to me is if if you are so stuck in the echo chamber of architecture and the one project and then what's the next project and then what's the next project and you never step away and get these other kinds of experiences you are worse off for that like you can't yeah. get it all from scrolling through Arc Daily or, or flipping through Dwell. You just can't do that. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer of like
1: physical, like spatial experience. I mean, yeah, you, ca- you can't learn about your 3D world in a 2D environment.
0: <laughs> right, right. Totally. Yeah. That's a perfect place to end it. And that, kids, is one to grow on. Thanks to NCARB for their support of this podcast episode. Visit ncarb.org A-O-P and contribute to the analysis of practice survey today. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. See all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's g-a-b-l-m-e-d-i-a.com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and don't forget to share it with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at arcuspeakpodcast.com, where you can find our entire catalog of shows. Talk to you soon.